Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team from baseball's top personalities the hall of famer one of the great tv broadcasters bob casas is here on a's cast live to the a's legendary players five-time major league baseball home run champ mark mcguire is with us here you never know what stories you're going to hear you think about her lunch and run with our shirts off (laughs) (laughs) you would say this is a's unfiltered with chris townsend Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. More spring training action as we preview teams. It's going to be Johnny Gomes, who not only is the outfield and base running coordinator for the Diamondbacks, now going to be doing TV for A's pre- and post-game live NBC Sports California. Our old buddy, the great Marty Lurie, will talk San Francisco Giants. He's a Bay Area Radio Hall of Famer. Spilly. Ryan Spielborgs, he does Sirius XM and also a broadcaster for the Rockies. Jesse Agler, play-by-play for the San Diego Padres. And Tim Neverett, who does television and radio for the Los Angeles Dodgers. But we'll lead off with an old friend, a great Oakland athletic, Johnny Gomes. One of my all-time favorites. He now works for the Arizona Diamondbacks, but we will always remember him as a great leader. Just not a great player, but a great leader in the clubhouse for the Oakland Athletics. Johnny Gomes joins us. Johnny, how are you? It's been a while. Townsend, you're still on a damn rant, and I love to be a part of it. Well, let me tell you something. You and I see eye to eye in a lot of ways, and you know, today, since we're doing the Diamondbacks, I, I, I going into this, I think what I loved about it, and you know, Tori Lovello comes on this show. He's a former A. We bring him on. Great dude. But we talked about how they flipped their mentality in the second half to where, you know what, playing this three true outcome game, home runs, strikeouts, walks, everybody has that blueprint, didn't work for them. That all of a sudden, hey, we got to start stealing bases. We got to start manufacturing runs. We got to find different ways to win. You have always been that guy. You've been that. I don't care how we do it. Let's win. Let's come to the ballpark to win every single day. Talk about that mentality that has always been your mentality, and we're really seeing that with not only the Diamondbacks, but we should be seeing that with the A's too. Yeah. I mean, to start with the Diamondbacks, I mean, what you really got to do first and foremost is, is tip your hat to their scouting department and how they drafted. Right. You want to go to Corbin Carroll, draft pick, Al Thomas, draft pick, Jake McCarthy, draft pick. They just shipped off Darsho, draft pick. Um, 
I mean, they really went deep into the draft, did their homework, the the guys, you know, boots on the ground, did all their homework and went and got athletic dudes. They went and got left-handed outfielders that can play all three positions, can steal bags and 30-30, we'll see. But you know what? Power with speed is going to win today. Yeah, no doubt. And I and I and I think about what they got when you start talking about mm-hmm. Zach Allen and what he did last year. Mer- Merrill Kelly is one of the great stories because we're seeing this thoracic outlet syndrome. Uh, guys have it, and it basically takes their career. It's sad. He's one of the success stories of having over two hundred innings after having this surgery. So when you start looking around, and then you start looking at some of these young guys that they got, Nelson, Jameson. Uh, you start looking at a starting rotation. I see if there is going to be a falter by the Dodgers or the Padres at the top of this division, I can see at least a blueprint of how the Diamondbacks with pitching and athleticism could be in the hunt. Yeah, when you talk about Merrill Kelly and you talk about, you know, Gallon, you know, that, that kind of takes away the velocity too, right? These guys are sitting at 90 to 94 all game. They're not the huge spin rate. They're not the high velocity guys. They're the strike throwers, weak contact, pitch way into the game, hand it over in the seventh, hand it over in the eighth, right? So, I mean, yeah, pitching and defense is going to win. And again, the athletic ability that they are putting on the field night in and night out, limit the strikeouts. There's a lot of ways to play the game to where you can win. And there's even more ways to play the game to lose. You got to limit ways to lose. You got to limit errors, right? You got to limit walks. You got to limit balls right down the middle. You got to limit stolen bases by how hold the ball, right? There's a lot of simple things that you can do. There's about five things that you just don't want to do. And whatever else happens, happens, right? Find that culture. You're the walk-off team or you're the score weight team or you're the get ahead team or you're the do damage team or you're the get the starter out because of the pitch count. You got to find that identity, stick to it, create a winning mentality and just let your guys go and play. Well, you talked about athleticism. You know, people, I'm sure most people haven't done their fantasy drafts yet, but this Carroll kid, I mean, he's been the top prospect in baseball. They're already saying 30-30. Those are high expectations. But you've seen him. Tell us how good this kid really can be. Yeah, well, I tell you what. I mean, if he was three inches taller, it'd be like, this is Bryce Harper. It really would. You know, he doesn't have the 500-foot home run power, but he's got every bit, whatever number is on the board. If it's 340, he's got that port, uh, that power. If it's 400 to center, he's got that power. And he, you know, statistically is the fastest dude in the big leagues. And where we are right now, speed's not going to slump. If you limit your strikeouts, ball and play, we got action. You're running a 3-6, 3-7 down the first. You're going to create panic on the defensive side. And then when he gets on the bases, he's a threat. He's one pitch away from being in scoring position after a walk or a single. And, you know, on top of all this, let's just pour the huge bucket of character on this kid. I mean, he is, checks all the boxes of the character. Great family, great kid, work ethic, nutrition, first there, last to leave, blah, blah, blah. Checks all the boxes. I mean, I'll hang my hat on Corbin Carroll all day long. How important is it, like, knowing what the Dodgers and the Padres have had and what they're going to be? I mean, we're kind of anointing the Padres a little too much. They haven't won the division. They had a great playoff run. But still, they've been a wild card team. They haven't won anything yet. Dodgers could be a little bit different. They're missing a lot of pieces. But we'll throw them up there to compete with them. I've been talking about a blueprint of being different. 
You tell me, if you were the general manager, you were the manager of this team, what does a team like Arizona and a lot like Oakland, what do they have to do to compete with the teams we look at, the big boys atop a division? Yeah, well, you really don't have to look within the division until September, right? Because that's when it really matters. You know, and this playing your division 19 times throughout the year is gone with how the uh, schedule is. You have to worry about all 29 other teams. You get your DH now, right? So there's a lot of things to worry about. And then, you know, you don't really have to worry about the division until the end, until September, right? You just got to stay in the race, stay in the race, get to the all-star break, reload, recalibrate, hit that trade deadline, find out where you're at, and then keep going. But you can't look at the scoreboard too early. You have to find that identity, find that team culture, find that chemistry, find out what works, moving pieces. I go back to that 2012 team where we won the division, right? We won that division after a huge trade, after Anaheim loaded with Josh Hamilton and CJ Wilson and Pujols pops in. And then we were just laying in the weeds, laying in the weeds, and then boom, 16-game comeback in the mid of August going down the stretch in September with five rookie starters, right? Like there's no excuses, man. If you're in the big leagues, you're good. Limit the mistakes and score, score more runs than the other team. Touch a dish more than they do. Find a way to do that. I will tell the fans, they may not remember how everything went down in 2012, but we boarded a plane and went to Japan, lost the first two games to the Mariners. We came back home and opening day, I'm like, I got to have Johnny Gomes as our official, because that wasn't really like an official opening day. Our officially, our official opening day in Oakland, you were my pregame show guest. And you said, look out, we're going to win the division. Yeah. And everybody was like, what? And I, I, I think about your great career. I think about the couple World Series that you won. But when you look back on it, you were the leader of the team. You helped change the chemistry in the clubhouse, even though front office people want to say there is no such thing as chemistry. Where does 2012 for you as a player, as a leader, where is that? What does it mean to you in your career? Well, unfortunately, it's probably one of the best seasons that's going to get lost, right? And when I say that, it also impacts the two World Series that I won. And this whole thing is about finishing the season with a win. But my gosh, I mean – The one thing that sticks out to me really is getting eliminated in game five by Detroit and the Detroit Tigers tip their hats to us. They literally Miguel Cabrera, Verlander, Leland were just like, that was unbelievable. 162 games. We were in first place for four innings. It just so happened to be game 162 from the sixth inning when Josh Hamilton dropped that ball. We took the lead technically first place. Boom, right there. But, I mean, man, look look at the guys that that team generated. Here comes Steven Vogt. Here comes Reddick. Here comes Moss, right? Coco Crisp being wrapped. Here comes Cespedes, right? There were so many pieces there. Brandon Inge found a little piece of gas in there. Steven Drew came over and was a vet. Donaldson. Uh, Donaldson. Travis Blackley. McCarthy. Bart Cologne. You know, he got pop tested. If we would have had him, I think we would have got to the next one, tell you the truth. Um, and then they lay an egg against New York, and all of a sudden the A's are freaking in the World Series that year. Um, yeah, they test. Don't, don't, don't do that stuff. It really hung us up that year. But, uh, man, if you're in the big leagues, man, I mean, you know, you just got to do the right things, limit the wrong things, and freaking anything can happen. 
you know, you don't get enough credit, and I know I've told you this, that Bob Melvin, we, we back then, I mean, I, it's like you remember 2012. All these other years, you know, they fly by. But 2012 always sticks out. And I remember Bob Melvin saying, if there's anybody on this team that's going to manage, it's going to be Johnny Gomes. And what people don't understand is you helped bring out people's personalities. This is just not batting practice and how to work on your swing and get ready. You brought Stephen Vogt out to be on MLB Network and to do his referee thing for the very first time. You had a way of changing and helping mold, I think is the best way to put it, Josh Reddick. There was something about you in that clubhouse as a leader. Talk about what is that like when you see and you need to help and you need to interject. Somebody had to do it. You were the right guy for the right team. Yeah, I think it goes to where how I was groomed. And it goes back to the early Devil Ray days when we were just getting our lunch handed to us in the AL East. But the the locker room that I shared, you know, that was kind of the landing spot for a lot of guys like going to get their tenure or going to get that extra million or whatever towards the end of the career. My first big league camp, I split lockers between Tino Martinez and Fred McGriff. And I mean, you talk about getting your masters in a month and a half of baseball IQ. That's what it was right there. And then, you know, there's the Cliff Floyds, the Eric Hinskies, the Troy Percivals and on and on. And man, I mean, I, it, it was like grad school. Like it really was. And, and I absorbed so much information for that felt so lucky. And then I just felt, you know, you owe it to the baseball gods, you owe it to the players, you owe it to everyone to regurgitate that information that you got whether you're going to be there or whether you're not going to be there. And the one thing that I took most pride in is I grew up in Oakland A's pajamas, right? I'm, I'm from the Bay. I'm from NorCal. So, I mean, that's all I ever wanted to do as a young kid was to strap on those white cleats. And I sure, once I got that opportunity, I wasn't going to limp into it by any means. And then from, you know, winning the past in 08 World Series and winning the division uh, 2010 with the Reds, I knew how important the whole team was. Right. I knew how important getting the best Josh Johnson, getting the best Reddick, getting the best Moss, getting the best everybody um, was the most important. And and man, I mean, it's it's not really the best team that wins, not the best team that goes deep. You know, it's a team that plays together, the team that gets hops, you know, the team that you're going in against the big starters. And all of a sudden he's on the DL. Boom. We get to skip that guy. And then you get this and you get that and you look up at the end and boom, you're in first and champagne in the Coliseum. Not many of them, you know, recently, and I'm, I'm fortunate to have that. Yeah, well, you think about winning in the playoffs. It, it is so hard. And, and really, you know, you, you, everybody wants to spend all this money and talk about in the preseason why this team's going to win. It, it really, we are now such in a tournament style that you just need to get in that, it, you know, you look at the Phillies last year and you, you, you just look at certain teams and look at the teams that you were on. It's like you get in and the magic has to happen. You just can't make the magic. You can't go out and sign the magic, trade trade for the magic. Just what is that like when all of a sudden you realize, wow, we got it. What it is, I don't know exactly, but we got it. Yeah, man, that, that goes to one of my songs with paint on the grass, right? There's only three times there's paint on the grass. It's opening day, the all-star game, and postseason. And you can't change the way you play when there's paint on the grass. And you see some of these teams, they get into the postseason. All of a sudden, they want to move their starting rotation. All of a sudden, they want to take their fifth guy and put him in the bullpen. That doesn't work. All of a sudden, you want to move your lineup. The teams that just stay even keel throughout, those are the teams that do that. Houston Astros, what are we going to do in the playoffs when we go against 
Same thing we just did for 162. This guy's slumping. Well, he just ran 162 for me. He's going to snap out sooner than later. And as he doesn't snap out, the other guy's got to pick it up. Instead of reinventing the wheel in a five and seven game stretch. Now you got, you know, the wild card, right? So now, I mean, it's pressure testing. We got to win today. But what I always say is that wild card game has to be played in June or July. You have to have a runner on second in the fourth inning, two outs, and everyone is just like at this. You got to practice the big at bats. You got to be ready for the big at bats. So when they come, it's not foreign. You know, I, I think that analogy of paint on the grass could be used for any sport. I mean, you hear yeah. these, you hear all the time that teams get in the Super Bowl and that two weeks, everybody tries to trick them up and they're going to start doing And those teams fail. Like, yeah. I love that. Like, hey, how, how you played throughout. This is who we are. This is how we're going to either win or we're going to lose. But we're going to say stay true to who we are. And I think, and it's always, 2012 taught me one thing. Every game matters. Because if the Rangers had won just one more game in May, one more game in June, we don't track them down. Or if we would have started so bad. Let's say we win one more game while we were just in Japan. Every single win. So it drives me nuts when I hear baseball people say, ah, it's early. Ah, we're going to evaluate the first month. No. The games at the beginning of the season count the exact same as the games at the end of the season. I say that all the time, man. I mean, it's 162 games. Watch the race in the division September 20th. It comes down to one or two, right? It speeds up on you so fast. Right. So every game does matter. All the bad calls by the umpire. Gosh, those matter. You know, all the punch outs with runner on third infield bat when you just need a ground ball matter. It all piles up. And then you got to have that mentality of September 25th and August 25th and June 25th and April 25th. You have to. You have to understand. And I got a taste of that for the first time. And once you get a taste of that postseason, man, you're like, Whoa, I remember in 2008, we're in the division against uh, the White Sox. And it was literally the second inning to the leadoff guy, 3-2 pitch. And it's like, there's going to be a walker hit, right? It's crowd goes, Rah! and you see the magnitude of every single pitch. Slow game, long game, this and that. But when you break down and figure out what's going on in between pitches of the baseball game, you realize how big and how fast it is. Well, let's end on this. Kids are getting older. How much is Johnny Gomes thinking about what Bob Melvin saw in you all those years? How much are you thinking about maybe being back in uniform and managing someday? Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, you know, if that opportunity arises, right, um, I always feel one of the hardest things to get in our game is to be wanted. And if there is an organization out there that wants my services, I would owe it to that organization to honor that. Um, but offices have gotten bigger, you know, there's actually a lot of managers in some of these organizations. Granted, there's only one that wears the uni. So the fit would have to be good. Um, my, my kids love baseball. We've gone out here in Scottsdale. We go to spring training games, actually went and checked in on Bob Melvin the other day, uh, with the Padres. Um, baseball is all I know, man. As soon as I retired, I figured that out real quick. The real world ain't it. <laughs> ain't it. I'm a baseball guy, you know, whether it's the youth, whether it's the minor leagues or whether it's the big leagues, that's what I'm cut out for. So, um, you know, I'm still young in age, right. Still young at heart. Um, but I've been fortunate enough to play underneath some really good managers, you know, Bob Melvin being one Lou Pinella, 
Dusty Baker, uh, you know, just on and on that I can now, you know, give back. Uh, playing underneath, you know, all six organizations, Japan, Mexico. I got a lot of pieces to the pie that, um, you know, I've lost a lot of games and I've won a lot of games and I finished two seasons with a victory and those two rings I hold pretty dear to my heart along with my teammates. So uh, I, I got some more in the tank and that in the tank is given back. And that, that's Well, I can tell you, I can tell you no matter what it is, you're a major asset to any organization, obviously the pride of Penaluma. And it was so special to have you not once, but twice in the A's organization. You know, you're always going to be one of our all time favorites. We love having you on the program. Be well, my friend. Good to hear about everything with the family going well. And uh, someday I do think you're going to manage, and I can't wait to see it. It'll be a great treat. But uh, let's, hook, hook, let's hook up again soon and enjoy the rest of spring. How about I come up there and check on you and we go a little more north and get some grapes in our system? I, I, I Come on. You know we're ready to rock. Whenever you want to come up, we'll take care of it. You got it. I'll be right in your pocket. Take care, buddy. All right, Towns. The great Johnny Gomes join us right here. What a treat that is to go back and the leader. All righty, it is time to preview the San Francisco Giants with a radio Hall of Famer, a Bay Area radio Hall of Famer. A's fans, you know all his great work for all these years, being around the A's broadcast. Now what he does with the San Francisco Giants uh, when you think about a baseball historian, when you think about somebody that knows the game, whether it's the big league level down to the minor league level, his work about the PCL has been absolutely incredible. There is nobody like the great Marty Lurie, and he joins us here on A's Cast Live. How are you down there in the Valley of the Sun? Very good. I'm the only guy who can tell you who played shortstop next to your grandfather in 1948, so you know that. Fact. Fact. <laughs> I, 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 Alvin Dark, Rookie of the Year. I I, I said before <laughs> before you were here, I said, Marty has sent me so much stuff about my grandfather that I've passed on to my brother and my cousin. Uh, it, the, baseball history has been something for you. It's been a passion. The way I think you see with people who are like professors in college of history and whether you love World War One or it's World War Two or whatever, uh, whatever thing in history that you love, certain cultures, that for you has been like baseball. Like if there was a baseball class to teach, you could roll right in and do baseball history at any university. Yeah, it's beautiful because that's what baseball is all about. It's generational it builds on the shoulders of the first generation, the second, the third, the fourth. And that's what connects us. And it's like a religion. We love the stories. And it's an unconditional friend. It's always there when we need it. And it's going to show up uh, in March. And we're going to have this story that will take us right through the end of the end of October, November. And baseball has always been changing. We're going to change a lot with these new rules. But when you yeah. think about all the different decades of baseball, if you had to say which one was actually, I'm not going to say the best played, but the most <laughs> entertaining, which decade of baseball, in your opinion, was the most entertaining? The 60s. Uh, I think the 60s are unbelievable. The American League finally was sort of catching up with African-American players and players of color. And the National League, of course, had done that well in advance of the American League. But when you look at the players who played in the 60s, 
I think that was the toughest decade of Major League Baseball that we had ever seen because it was such a difference in the 50s. The 60s, the stars really came out. The Hall of Famers really came out. So I'd say the 60s for me. Well, and, and, and you know, you, I try to tell people all the time, Marty, that baseball has changed so much. Like back in the day, you had a commissioner, but like truly the two leagues were different. The umpires were different. They both had their own. They both had their own presidents. I mean, you had two. They were different from each other. Like now, like you try and think like football, basketball, baseball, everybody plays everybody. But back in the day, these these two leagues, the National League and the American League, were truly separate and different. It's wild. Well, they had a real rivalry. Uh, it was a big deal to win the All-Star game. The league presidents would come in and make a speech before the All-Star game. <laughs> If you, if you listen to an All-Star game in 1958, for instance, uh, it's 4-3 American League. It's the eighth inning, and Mantle is still in the game. Mays is still in the game. Musial's in the game. Banks is in the game. That's the way the All-Star game was played in those days. But you bring up a good point about the umpires. The American League umpires had the balloon chest yeah. protector, the outside chest protector, so they couldn't get down and see the low pitch as well. So the American League was known as a high-pitch, high-strike league, and the National League was known as a low-strike league. So that was different at that point as well. But we had different league presidents, different umpires, uh, and different ballparks. And the whole thing was different. Spring training, you may see some teams play each other. But when that World Series came around, you had never seen the team play the other team before. And it really was, how is how the heck are the A's going to match up with the Dodgers? How are they going to match up with the Giants? You only had spring training to go by. And that, that made the World Series really special. No doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, we start thinking about the legendary matchups and the legendary players. They would only face each other one time. I mean, yeah. you think about the great Hank Aaron uh, going up against the New York Yankees. Hank Aaron didn't have a lot of postseason, but when he did, he hammered the Yankees. It's those special moments, but uh, I do like that. Every I do like that all the kids and everybody now, you get to see everybody. I remember the uh -huh. – I mean, think about this, Marty. I had, I had never seen the Yankees with my own eyes until I came to play baseball at San Jose State. My first game ever was A's-Yankees at the Coliseum. It was the first time I'd ever seen the New York Yankees, and I was, what, 18, 19 years old. Yeah, we're, we are very, very, very lucky to be in the Bay Area uh, with a two-team market, the fact that we can see the American League, see National League. But now with the new schedule, we're going to see everybody. And that's okay. I have no problem with it. I think baseball is universal. It does make it interesting to every other year you're going to get a home game uh, with the Yankees or with the Orioles or a team that's really coming on. We still have the rivalry between the A's and the Giants. We'll have four games with them this year. But the fact that we're going to play everybody in the other leagues, seven home, seven away, three-game series, I think it's terrific. I really look forward to it. As a baseball historian, I remember a few years ago, we were doing an interview with you, and, and you really educated us when people are talking about, ah, oh, you can't change in baseball. And you were like, 
No, they've always changed in baseball. That baseball is yeah. always changing. So, yeah, we have new rules. We have new stuff going on. But our sport's always been doing that. No, absolutely. Uh, they changed the ball, and they would never tell you. And then there was a point in time when they did tell you. In 1930, if you look at all the statistics of 1930, and the grade A's teams of 29, 30, and 31, they used a ball that was like a golf ball. And uh, Jimmy Fox just crushed the ball, and Al Simmons, and all these names of uh, A's history. So the, the equipment has been different. It's changed over the years. The baseball has been different. The ballparks are different. Um, and it's okay to change. They can do whatever they want. But you still need 27 outs. The last three outs are going to be the toughest. And you're still going to have to hit behind the runner to move a guy over when you're going to have to score a run. You're still going to have to throw a head in the count. If you get behind in the count, the hitter's going to kill you. And the game, that part of the game is never going to change. But there are certain aspects of it that will change this year. And we'll see the pitch count. Uh, the pitch clock, rather, the way that works, the bases, the shift, and everything else. So it's going to look different to us. It's going to look a little bit on fast forward. But what I see in spring training down here, it's an experiment. And these players are so smart. I mean, they're already, the pitchers are already figuring out how to trick the hitters with the pitch clock. And the hitters are trying to figure out how to slow the pitcher down and step out of the box and do this and that. The base dealers are going to try to figure out when they can go. Uh, baseball always adapts to the rules. And I, I frankly think, Chris, this is going to be the most interesting year we've ever seen in baseball with the fact of the pitch clock and the way they're going to operate with it and with the not having the shift and the bigger bases make a difference too. Uh, it's going to be quite interesting. This is going to be a very unique spring training, and I think what's ahead will be amazing. Yeah, I, I knowing guys that 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 are are good friends who really don't go to games much anymore have said, you know, God, I, you know, if I can get out of there two hours and thirty minutes on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, I can actually go to the game and not worry about work tomorrow or bring my kids to the game. So. Once it really gets out and we actually see regular season games, they're not going well over three hours. Uh, it's going to be a good advertisement for attendance, no question about it, and something that when you when you talk about the 60s and athleticism, I'm just excited. You know, being a kid that grew up in the 80s, all the base dealers. I mean, when I was growing up, it's Ricky Henderson, it's Vince Coleman, it's Tim Raines. Everybody was stealing bags. Our buddy Bip Roberts, uh, who I got to watch growing up. I, I I can't wait, Marty, to see the base dealer back in the game. Yep, yeah, yeah, it's coming, and uh, we'll see it. Well, they'll figure out, you know, after the first pickoff, will they go on the second one? Uh, there's going to be a lot of back picks. The catcher's going to be throwing the first base a lot to keep the runner close. Uh, but having bigger bases and the fact that you can run after they have thrown over twice, they got to get you or else it's a balk, that will be different. I think we're going to see many, many more stolen bases this year. Look, and Billy Bean figured this out back in 2000. I always remember him saying it. Say, well, why don't you run more? He says, well, you got to be successful 80% of the time to make it work statistically. And if these guys can get there 80% of the time, you're going to see a lot of people running. So that's something that we'll, we'll enjoy at the ballpark. But for the players, see, the fans are going to have fun. But the players, this is really a challenge. Because the pitcher 
is got to, you know, you, you got to think about the pitch. You have to think about executing the pitch. You have to think about where you are in the rubber. You got to think about your breathing. And all this happens in 15 seconds. And all of a sudden, instead of thinking about all that at the end before you deliver it, you're looking and saying, uh-oh, I only got four seconds to go. <laughs> and then the pitch is not as much of a quality pitch. Same thing with the hitter. The hitter gets in the box. He's got to be there at eight seconds. Well, what if he stands there at 10 seconds? Now the pitcher on the mound says, all right, he's already taken one timeout. He can't step out. I'm going to hold the ball until two seconds. So now I've frozen him for eight seconds or 10 seconds. It's an eternity that what they're going to do to the hitter. So the hitter's got to step out. If he's down 0-2, 1-2 in the count, he's got to step out and take his timeout and regroup at that point. So there's so much going on. It does affect the players, and that's my concern, whether the quality of the game will be different because of the uh, trying to speed up the game. For the fans, it's great. But for the players, they really have to adjust to this. Let's read some names here, some notable free agent additions for the San Francisco Giants. Mitch Haniger, our, our old buddy, Sean Manaya, Ross Stripling, Michael Conforto, who sat out all last year, but obviously had some big years with the Mets. Uh, Taylor Rogers, Luke Jackson. You know, the whole Carlos Correa thing ended up looking bad. Giants went out, tried to spend big money. We were there at the winter meetings. Uh, when they weren't able to land Aaron Judge, when supposedly they were, then they pivoted Correa. The x-rays didn't go the way they wanted. It was really ugly. But in the end, Farhan went out and got a lot of guys. And I just have the feeling that if these guys stay healthy and they're productive, I got a feeling that the Giants are going to be better than we think, Marty. Well, they're definitely better than last year. There's no question. They had guys last year who did not have a high ceiling. What we've got this year are people that actually we're not sure what the ceiling is going to be. And if it's the right ceiling, they're going to go up in their abilities and their numbers. So there's no doubt in my mind that this is a better team than we saw last year. Last year, there were a lot of fill-in players. We don't have that this year. So defense is still a question on the corners. We'll see what happens there. But not getting Correa. They missed having an anchor guy at the number three spot. So we'll have to see what Conforto does, what Hanniger does, what Flores does, a Jock Peterson and people like that. They still platoon all the time. Um, and they, they're a little rough on the corners defensively. Lamont Wade is another guy coming back. He looks terrific. He looks so healthy and he looks terrific down here. Uh, in right field, you get Hanniger or Conforto, as I say. Yastrzemski, Slater, who's got a bad elbow right now in center field. Uh, J.D. Davis and Flores on the corners. Uh, you've got first base. You have a Flores and Wade there. you got a VR who had 35 homers between Sacramento and the Giants last year. Joey Bart has been challenged at catcher, and maybe it's working because he's crushing the ball yeah. down here. So we'll see how that turns out. But you brought up the pitching. And this is what's going on in baseball. Teams are going to six or seven man rotation. Six man for sure. We've seen two or three teams announce they're going to go with a six man rotation. The Giants have a six man rotation with Junis going to the bullpen. You know Junis from Kansas City. 
Uh, they've got a lot of depth in the starting pitching. Manaya went to driveline for the whole winter, except for two weeks in, in Antarctica to see penguins. But uh, his <laughs> velocity has gone up, you know, uh, two or three miles. So he's very happy. Uh, Alex Wood, you got Logan Webb, you got Stripling. Uh, you know, you've got people who, who can pitch here. And the bullpen is fairly deep. Uh, they've got a bunch lefties, righties. You've got the two Rogers twins who I, I don't know who I'm talking to when I see them. It's impossible to tell them apart. But one's a lefty, one's a righty. Uh, Duvall's a good closer. Uh, the Dodgers are a little banged up. They lost Lux. Their pitching now is a little different. Now they're relying on young players to make it. Before, they would just work them into the lineup, and if it worked, fine. Now they, these guys have got to make it. So the Dodgers, we'll see. Uh, the Padres are a team that uh, the top of the lineup is fabulous, but they're going to need a six-man rotation uh, in their starting staff. And Arizona's better. They're a young team coming on. They're better, too. Uh, are they going to contend? Probably not, but no one's going to push them around this year. And Colorado, I can't figure out. I don't know what's going on. You know, you mentioned ceiling, and I'm just kind of laughing, you know, you know, you know, last year at, at, at our training camp, there weren't too many guys that actually had a ceiling. That's kind of scary when you're at spring training and you don't even see a ceiling for guys. Yeah, so that's the one thing. That, you know, if these guys stay healthy, then you don't have to go in and make 60 transactions. But if they don't stay healthy, again, the farm system at the top is not really ready to produce many people to take over. So you could fall into it. If they're not healthy, you could fall into that again. It's not impossible. Um, but Kyle Harrison from De La Salle looks like a real deal. Good lefty arm, one of the best in baseball. He'll be in Sacramento. And the other one is this Casey Schmidt from your neck of the woods down in San Diego. Uh, he, he reminds me of Chavez a little bit. He reminds me of Eric playing third base. Uh, not Chapman. I don't see Chapman. But I see a little more of Eric in there, you know, who's who's he, the kid's going to develop. He swings the bat well. So Schmidt and Harrison are going to get to the big leagues this year. But other than that, there's not a lot ready. And that's my worry about the team. If they got to go in the, into the minors, there's not a lot there. Not a lot. They got Piscotti here, by the way. Is, and so Stephen, who you know well, yeah. he's in camp, too. And uh, he's got a shot to make this team. If not, I hope he goes to Sacramento because he'll be in the big leagues this year. You know, I, years ago it was a four-man rotation. Now yeah. five-man rotation. It. I mean, Six. have we have we ever seen that work in the history of baseball where you're going to rely on six guys, one guy every six days? Well, no. There used to be a guy he would pitch every Sunday. Uh, Ted Lyons, the great Hall of Famer for the White Sox, that you knew he was going to pitch every Sunday. That's He was a Sunday pitcher. Uh, you know, certain pitchers would, would be held out by certain managers to pitch against better teams. We've seen that before, which upset the rotation. But I, don't, I can never remember seeing a six-man rotation that they are literally talking about doing. It's not just the Giants. Yeah. The Padres are talking about it. There are other teams in baseball the, the that are Mets, talking about it. The Mets have talked about it now. And how about the Dodgers? What are they going to do? They've got loads of pitchers. Syndergaard is there. Kershaw, May, Urias. 
uh, they've got a lot of people to work into that rotation, too. Yeah, I'm just wondering, six guys, there's 30 teams, six guys. Do we? Are there enough starters on planet Earth that are good enough to pitch at the big league level in a six-man rotation? No. Well, now you don't have to go seven or eight innings. So if you give me the, the Di Sclafani and you tell me that Junis is coming in behind them, all right, so I can put Di Sclafani in. Just give me four innings or five innings, and I'm coming back with Junis next. Here's Manaya. Just give me five innings. That's all I want from you. So just go as hard as you can for five. And that's the way the game has evolved. And that's why you can use a six starter because you're not saying, hey, give me eight or nine innings every every turn. You just want it to give you enough innings to eat up that inning, that game, because you have to start 162 games. So the difference is you don't have to go eight or nine innings, so you can mess around with the rotation. Haniger and Confort. I love Mitch Haniger. I, I did that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't remember ever seeing him play, so you tell me. Yeah, about he well, went healthy, and I and I got to do the uh, Santa Clara County Baseball Banquet, and we honored him and, and Jock. And Mitch Hanniger is just the nicest guy, Marty. You're going to love him. It's just can he stay healthy? And obviously, Conforto sat, sat out all year long. But if those guys bring the thump, that could be the thump that the Giants are missing now that, you know, they didn't end up with, with Judge or Correa. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, you know, you got to have table setters at the top of the lineup to get on and do that. They look to me like a team built more on power and not speed. They're a little more station to station uh, than I like. I like to see a little bit more speed. And maybe the pitch clock and the bases and all that will help them run a little bit more, get a better jump. But to me, they look like they're relying more on power. And when they won 107 games a couple of years ago, they had 250 home runs. So I think they like that, the way Farhan has put the team together. It's a little older, and it's a little more stationary. And it's look, there's no – Longoria's gone. You know, Belt is gone. Of course, Posey is gone. Uh, It's a different kind of team now. But they they do rely on power. You've been around big league managers for a long time. You've studied big league managers. How's your relationship with Gabe Kapler, and how do you feel about him as a as a leader of a franchise? He's grown up a lot. Uh, I, I'd say, and I said it on the air, he's, he's almost done a 180 this spring. You know, he sits and he talks and he's patient and he laughs and this and that. And, of course, no games have happened yet. So let, <laughs> let's see when the season starts. But so far, he's been a pleasure. And like he says, look, Chris, the way this organization is set up, he's not calling the shots. He's got 18 coaches. He's got, he's got an analytics department. Whatever happens in this team, it's a consensus opinion of the way they want to play. So they know ahead of time who to put in and where to put in and who, what pockets they're going to look for with certain batters. And he executes it well, but he's gotten a little more glib. I think he's going to relate better to the fans as opposed to talking over their heads all the time, you know, with a lot of analytical mumbo jumbo. Uh, he's, he's definitely, he's not Ken Maka, you know, he's not Art Howe, he's not Bobby Cox, but he's not uh, as stiff as he was in the past. So I think he's going to be better. I do. 
Let's end on this. And I know Ray Fossey was trying to do this towards the end. God love our man Ray Fossey. But you have done so many interviews. I mean, the amount of interviews you have done, are you preserving them? Is there ever going to be a place where we can get, I mean, I, I mention it all the time with you, your relationship with Tory Hunter and the stuff that you would get out of Tory Hunter, whether he was in Minnesota or he was in Anaheim, I mean, Tory was just wonderful. You guys had a great, like, are we ever going to have this vault where we can go and just enjoy and geek out on all your great interviews? Yeah, yeah, they are all, almost all of them are digitalized right now. A lot of the stuff I did, you know, look, I did the A's pregame from 98 to 09. And Chris, I did it every single day, like you. You know, you work so hard. I would do a 90-minute show every single day. And to do 90 minutes by myself, I would have to have five or six different interviews every single day. So a lot of the stuff I have is on CD. Of the, I have all the many, many, many of my pregames from the A's with a lot of the CDs uh, filled up with interviews. But then we also have the digital side of the ones that were on the recorder. And those have been put on the Internet that we have them in a hard drive, which will never lose them. So it's on my mind. But there's so many yeah. on the day-to-day CDs that the stations would you know, prepare for me that someone's got to sit down. It'll take uh, two years to listen to everything. Listen to Ken Corrick and me rattle the lumber. Listen to me and Vinny, me and Shooty. Uh, you know, Maka, Garen, whoever it was, there's just so much stuff there. It's really it's really the history of the A's from 98 to 09. It's really very complete. Well, I, I don't need to tell everybody how great you are. You're a Bay Area Radio Hall of Famer. They already did that for me. You're the hardest working guy in this business. And I tell you that I look at what you do every day and how much you get done. It's absolutely incredible. You and Larry, Larry Kruger. You two guys are the hardest working guys in the Bay Area, and you're an icon. All I can say is when you call me, I'm coming on the show. Wow, that's, that's very kind, but we all, we, we all know who you are, Marty. I mean, when you get your own bobblehead, for God's sakes, that is a big deal. Uh, $79 on eBay. <laughs> that's when you're big league. Well, you know how much you mean to, to this fan base, how much you mean to me, and everything you've done for me in my career and helping me find information uh, about my grandfather. I'll always be indebted. Be well, and we'll see you down there. I'll be down there about March 11th. We'll be back. Oh, we, good. We were just there. We've come back. We'll be back again. But uh, can't wait to see you. And be well. And uh, stay warm in Arizona. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But I will tell you this, being that I live in Arizona, some of the fans went, yes, I am Marty Lurie. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> the fans are coming up to the booth already. Um, I, I live here. So the fact that it's a little cooler, not a problem. Because believe me, in June and July and August, it's going to be 112. So I can put up with 58 right now. And I, <laughs> believe me, it's a very, very hot place in the summer. So I'm going to be more in the Bay Area in the summer, believe me. All right, buddy. We'll see you soon. All right. Be well. Always a pleasure. The great- I'll see you on the 17th. I think Giants A's over in Mesa. I'll probably see you on, I think, March 17th, something like that. Beautiful. Take care. Okay. Be well. The, Bye-bye. The great Marty Lurie right here on A's Cast Live. Legend. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All righty, it's time to break down the Colorado Rockies with Ryan Spillbores, the pride of Santa Barbara. And he joins us here once again on A's Cast Live. It's great to have you. And, you know, before we start talking about the Colorado Rockies, we always bring up what great job you guys are doing on Sirius XM. Uh, we have a lot of your guys on. We are just with Jim Duquette down in Arizona. I had to take Farron to dinner while we were down there. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Oh, That's my... not, that is not very much fun when you have to take Mike Farron to dinner. And I got to pay. You know it's not cheap when you take that guy out to dinner. <laughs> Um, but the show you do, Loud Outs, it's usually the show I'm listening to on the way to the ballpark. Obviously, C.J. Nikowski's a friend of our program with the Rangers. He's in town multiple times a year. Brad Lidge. I love your guys' show. It's the show that's hosted by former players. And as we always get perspective by guys who weren't players, or even I love Power, I, I love Power Alley. I mean, in fact, you got a former GM, but you guys doing it as players. Just talk about how really how special your guys' show is, and it's and it's a very unique view of our game. Oh, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, we, you know, when it when it was brought to our attention, I really wanted to continue to like get better at broadcasting. I wanted to work on the craft, and so about seven years ago. Uh, as I was getting into my career at MLB Network Radio, I asked our program director, Jordan Greenberg, if there was a possibility that we could do a, a players hosted show. I wanted to see if I could if I could host a show. And he loved it. He was like, we haven't had that since uh, Kevin Kennedy and, um, and Rob Dibble. And I was like, oh, wow. cool. I was like, let's do it. Let's do it. So I didn't know who my co-host was going to be. And uh, I ended up, you know, you're going to get paired with CJ Nikowski. You're going to start on Saturday mornings at eight o'clock. I was like, perfect. Uh, that way we could we could cut our teeth. And it was kind of like a nice little uh, experimental ground for us to, to work on our craft. And CJ and I worked for about four years. And this was before people were using Zoom as we're doing right now. We almost we would connect on a, on a device, which is called an access unit. And so I could be in Denver, he could be in Atlanta, and then we'd just hear our voices. And so we never met each other for years. For four years, we're working every Saturday, and we never met each other. And we had, you know, we, we were, uh, we knew about each other's families and our wives and our kids. And like we were, we were becoming like really good buddies, but just through work, just through this, this, uh, this call-in show and it, it developed into a really nice friendship. We finally met back in 2019. I joked like that's probably the most nervous I've ever been to meet somebody. Like I'm not starstruck at all, but to, to meet the person, it was almost like a long lost pen pal or like a long distance relationship with somebody that you've never met. And I, I didn't know how tall CJ was. I didn't Big know what dude. color his eyes were going to be. I didn't yeah. know any of these things. So it was great. And uh, yeah, it's, it's turned into a really fun show. And I also think from from our perspective, and you get this, Chris, like broadcasting and the craft of it, it's not like baseball. It takes a really, 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 really long time 
to get good at it. And it's not something that's natural for most people. It's not something that's natural even for broadcasters. It just takes time. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, we always joke with CJ and we love having him on the show. It's, you know, he's played for almost every team, including Korea. So there's like nothing you can't ask him. Uh, but your guys' show, it, it's second to nine. Keep doing a great job. Uh, before we get into, I, I know Brendan Rodgers has gotten hurt and that's not good. And talking about Chris Bryant and the Rockies, there's two things that I want to address with you that I think people don't understand. Number one, how tough it is to play in elevation. I, I, I know a little bit about this. I used to work for the Oakland Raiders. We came there every single year to play the Denver Broncos. And talking to Broncos people, just playing in elevation, everybody just thinks, oh, you get up to the plate, everybody's hitting jacks, you're putting up big, big numbers. People don't understand health-wise playing in elevation, then going to sea level, doing that throughout a year is so hard on people's bodies educate people that playing in denver isn't isn't as easy as people think it is no it's not you come to denver you have an ipa you're hammered you walk <laughs> up the stairs you're winded and and i'll take it away from baseball because yeah. i think most people will understand this nhl the abs they have a better win-loss record at home in the last 10 years than virtually any other hockey team i wonder why same with the Nuggets. And when you come and watch an NBA game, a, a team like, let's say, the Lakers, a big Lakers fan, this happens all the time. You'll hear LeBron James, Anthony Davis, these these players will not play in Denver. Why? Why would, why would the NBA not play games in Denver? Because it's been proven that the players that come here, it impacts their body so much, not just for that one game. They get ran out of the gym almost every time but it impacts them for the days after. So if, if NBA teams are doing this, if NHL teams are noticing a difference, if the NFL sees the same thing, people get ran out of the stadium in Denver. Do you also wonder why the U.S. Olympic training facilities in Colorado Springs, like anybody ever wonder why that's there? Yeah. It's because the elevation. Training at elevation makes it easier for when you go to anywhere else besides here. So you have every single sport is telling you playing at elevation has the has an impact on your body. And so why would it be any different for a baseball game? And imagine extrapolating a 10 game homestand for a baseball team. The first couple of days, it takes a little bit of, of time to get adjusted. Then you're adjusted. You have other teams coming in. Then you go back on the road. It, it just it, it turns into something that very few teams in Major League Baseball have. I will point this out for you, Chris, and you'll appreciate it. There's three teams in Major League Baseball that have truly like an outside variable. It used to be the Texas Rangers with heat. Oh, heat in the summer with Texas, they would fall like flies. They they yeah. they literally would. You could look up their uh, injury list history from summer months, and they they would lead Major League Baseball. Seattle with their travel, they have more travel than any team in Major League Baseball. Seattle. And then Colorado with the altitude. So now you're down to two teams in Seattle and, and Colorado that have two variables nobody else deals with. It's fact. And, and you know, you look at boxers, whether it was Mike Tyson, Oscar De La Hoya would always go up to Big Bear to train before their big matches. I mean, there's a reason why. But, yeah, the health process, uh, it, it is brutal. Then the other one I wanted to bring up is there's 30 teams in Major League Baseball. Baseball put a team in Denver – we want players to play and spend their entire career with a place. I believe Todd Helton should be a baseball Hall of Famer. 
Uh, always loved my time with him. He's a great guy. I mean, we talked Peyton Manning in the University of Tennessee with him. He just, <laughs> he's great to have on the show. But what a great player, defender, offensive player. And Larry Walker was the same thing. Like, people want to start penalizing guys for playing in Denver. And it's like, wait a minute, if we're going to put a franchise there and we want players to spend their entire career there and be a part of the community, that's what we encourage. We don't want guys going all, to all these different organizations and being mercenaries. You then can't turn around at the end of their career and then bang them for it and say, yeah, we're not going to vote for them. I just think that's wrong. I know how much help means to you. I, I just think it's wrong that we look at a guy like Todd Helton who did everything right, and we're now going to penalize him for playing at Coors Field. Well, and that's that's more of a media bias in, than actual, you know, players that have played against Todd don't look at him as as not a Hall of Famer. It's media bias. It's it's East Coast bias. We're in a different time zone. Uh, people will point at, you know, the home road splits. And then I say, OK, um, all right, you want to play that game? You're going to say that this guy benefited from home road splits. OK, then let's look at the road splits. Let's truly look at them. And his road splits are better than many Hall of Famers. His OPS numbers on the road are better than many Hall of Famers, better than Ryan Sandberg. You can go better than Tony Gwynn. I mean, like you get you could start throwing names out there and people are like, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't you can't do that. You can't say he's better than Tony Gwynn. I was like, really? Then look up the numbers and then compare them. I, I get it. Todd didn't have 3000 hits. And I'm never saying that, that Tony Gwynn isn't one of the best hitters I've ever seen because he was. But when you start really digging into those numbers, that East Coast bias, the mountain time zone bias, the Coors Field bias, it really should be gone. We have enough neutralized stats that show the true story and the true value of, of Todd Helton. So I think he's a Hall of Famer. Um, and, you know, anybody that wants to make an argument against him, you better come with your facts. You better come with facts because I will come back with some too. You know, I, I look at the start of the season. You know, the big but the big news was L.A. losing Gavin Lux. But in division, uh, Brendan Rodgers going down with the dislocated shoulder, uh, could need surgery. Where are we with that? That's that's huge news out of your camp. Yeah, it's too early to tell. I mean, I, I think the Rockies are not optimistic. They're very – I think they're, they're – the. It looks bleak at this moment, but it's also early. Usually when you have some sort of shoulder displacement, you do have shoulder inflammation. You just kind of have to wait uh, before, you know, jumping to a conclusion that he's going to have to have surgery. We do know that Lucas Gilbreth, another reliever for the Rockies, is going to have Tommy John. Uh, so that's not good news. That happened today. So, yeah, the Rockies are in a bad spot, especially if they lose Brendan Rodgers. Rodgers was part of a trade discussion this offseason. Uh I, I, I thought maybe he might be a trade candidate at some point. And if they don't have that asset, it's clear that they're not going to move him as well. So that's, that is a, it's a, it's a, it's a devastating blow for the Rockies because they can't afford to lose any of their uh, everyday position players, especially when they have some sort of trade value as well. You, you look at Bryant, you know, we got to know him a little bit when he came out here, played for the giants. Everybody loved him obviously in Chicago. He signs that big deal and then can't stay healthy. And that's got to be brutal. Like, you sign this mega deal. You finally sign it. You make a commitment to a franchise. You want to be the franchise guy. Obviously, the ghost of Arenado is still there. And you only play in 45 games. Just how tough was this year for him? And how big is year two for him there in Denver? Well, it's funny. Uh, I mean, if you ask him, he said it was his best baseball year he's had. <laughs> as far as, like, <laughs> no pressure, mental state 
family, new family members. His wife gave birth to, to a set of twins. So from like his personal lifestyle standpoint and life, he said that was the most enjoyable year he's ever had. Uh, from the Rockies perspective, that can't happen. You need to have Chris Bryant. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the first year of, of a long-term contract. I think the Rockies are trying to forget. Uh, Rockies fans are trying to forget what happened with Nolan, but it's unforgettable. Nolan will be a future Hall of Famer. And so, like, there's no replacing him no matter what. And we've said this, like, the Arnado trade is always going to be a black eye on the Rockies. There's no, there's no way to, no matter what. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. You got a future Hall of Famer that you traded away. And so, like, that's that's just going to be the fan sentiment. And I agree with it. I mean, I feel the same way. So when it comes to Chris Bryant, I, I don't think he has to fill in anybody's shoes. I just think he has to play. Um, and so, so far, he's off to a really nice camp. And uh, it would just be nice to keep him on the field for as long as possible. You know, we've had Dan O'Dowd on this program now with MLB Network, former GM of the Rockies, got the Rockies to the World Series. And we had a little conversation about this, and, and I'm really interested how you feel about this. If you had a blueprint, because the field there in Denver, I've been on it. It's amazing how big it is, uh, the kind of speed that you need. We've already talked about the wear and tear of elevation. But if you could build a br blueprint pitching-wise, position player-wise, what would that be to make the Rockies a winner and have a sustainable winner? Uh, I, I mean, it's not going to be the same thing every single year. That's that's I mean, sometimes you'll have good pitching. You, you're going to be short on offense. Other years, you're going to have good offense and short on pitching. So I, I think I think with Colorado, you have to be more nimble than most. Um, they are a top 15 in in salary uh, by a franchise, which might surprise people. They actually spend more money this year than the St. Louis Cardinals. So I, I, I do think when it comes to outfield play, I'm a huge advocate for outfield play, especially at Coors Field. Majority of baseballs, you think like you hit a ball in the air, it's a homer. It's not true. There's more balls hit in front of outfielders than there are over the heads of outfielders. So I am a advocate if if I was to use, let's say, like Oakland's model or Tampa Bay's model um, just in a different way. Tampa uses relievers, young, controllable relievers and runs them over and over and over again through their bullpen. I would probably do the same thing with center field. I would probably look at center field as a youthful spot where I want my center fielder fast. I don't care about the offensive numbers and I just have somebody go get it. And uh, we know that over time at, at Coors Field, as we've already talked about the wear and tear on the body, if you have young center fielders, 23, 24, 25, 26, then they get into that arbitration eligible and even the free agency, you can let them go. Uh, and just recirculate. And so there's there's one way that you can have you can have a little bit better um, defensive efficiency in the outfield. And then as far as position players, I think you have to be willing to trade position players. I, I don't think the Rockies have in the in years past. And you do have to go out and acquire pitchers because most pitchers, they're not going to sign as a free agent. So you have to trade for them. Yeah, that's so true. Get a free the, the days of Daryl Kyle and Mike Hampton. I mean, that that's it's tough to get guys to go there. Uh, let's end on this. You know, for us, you know, we're in retool mode. Obviously, you know, we we go in our runs. You know, we had eighteen, nineteen, twenty. We had twelve, thirteen, fourteen, and then after that, you know, we start a retool. But we got some young guys who a lot of people don't know about, but they are exciting. We got some athletes. We got the new rules. I think you know. The A's, we've always relied on home runs and walks. I think we're going to be stealing a lot of bags this year. For the Rockies, what makes you excited for this camp? What, 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 what are some names? What are some guys where you go, hey, when you guys are watching on TV, this is what we should be looking for? 
Uh, I mean, there's some really nice. Uh, first off, there's they've had really nice veteran pitchers for a while. Kyle Freeland's pitched really well. Herman Marcus has pitched really well there. Those are those are really fun arms. Daniel Bard last season got an MVP vote. And if you're like, what? How did a closer get an MVP vote? Yeah, because there was three pitchers in all Major League Baseball that had over 30 saves, had the like over 70 innings pitched, and and like a certain strikeout rate. It was like Edwin Diaz. Um, the the kid from Cleveland, the Guardians, and and Daniel Bart. So like there is some really good pitching with the Rockies. Young pitching, Ryan Feltner is pretty exciting. Um, we also have this kid that's going to play shortstop this year named Ezekiel Tovar uh, that lit the double A on fire last year. And then a really kind of like hair on fire type player, Zach Veen, uh, who I believe is leading spring training in stolen bases. So there there are some good athletes. There are some good pitching um, but this division is really difficult. I think if there's going to be anything that benefits the Rockies and Oakland this year, it's going to be the new schedule. So not having to take on the Astros 19 times or the Mariners 19 <laughs> times, uh, I think it's going to benefit just like the Rockies are going to benefit not facing the Dodgers and the Giants 19 times over the course of the year. Yeah, I mean, I, I look back at uh, Tori Lavella we love down in Arizona. He's a former A. You take their record against the Dodgers out, they're over 500. They had yeah. like they had a pretty good year, but all mm-hmm. of a sudden you throw that record against the Dodgers in, they're under five hundred, and you're like, I mean, it's just certain teams. Same thing with the Mariners last year, got hammered by the Astros. It, it, they got in the playoffs, but you know, playing playing the team that hammers you the most less does not hurt. Yeah, exactly. So I'm glad I'm glad to see that change. I think that's that's something a, a lot of A's fans, Rockies fans, are going to enjoy is seeing other teams that are aren't the Dodgers, Giants, Astros, Mariners. Well, we truly appreciate the time. We always like having you on the program. Just want to let you know we're always out there uh, uh, promoting SiriusXM, the channel. It's second to none when you're driving in your car, and I I promote it. Hey, it's like The Athletic. You want great journalism? You got to subscribe to it. You you want a great product, and you want to listen to baseball, Channel 89. Also for football, I love Channel 88. I mean, it's worth subscribing to terrestrial radio. Eh, it's, it's got its issues, but uh, we're always listening to you. I'm listening to you on the way to the ballpark. Your show is fantastic, and let's do this again soon. Okay, anytime, Tony. I appreciate it. Ryan Spielborg, Spilly, join us right here on A's Cast Live, breaking down the Colorado Rockies. Jesse, welcome back to A's Cast Live. How are you? I'm good, guys. How's it going? We we just been talking about it because of all the I don't know how much you follow golf, but the way the PGA Tour is changing, there's a lot of craziness going on happening as we speak. Uh, the commissioner is talking today. They had the meeting with all the players, and because of the changes with Live Golf, it's been fascinating. And I was just talking about Full Swing, the documentary on Netflix for golf, then uh, Drive to Survive, the one for Formula One that's been so successful. I said, you know, this is what people want. You want to bring new people into our sport. And I was thinking about if there was one of the teams, I talked about the Giants and the winter meetings and Judge to Correa. And I think, how about if a, a crew from MLB Network was following around the San Diego Padres? I mean, the, the, the stuff that's been going on with the Padres, just this, this, you know, Nando's coming back. You got Machado's going to opt out. He's re-signed. Darvish. I mean, the excitement in San Diego. Fan Fest was so big. You didn't have enough security and everything. The Padres would be a great team. If we did basically like a hard knocks, what has been so successful in the NFL, if we did that for baseball, think about if they did that around the Padres, how exciting that would be. 
Well, I, I give the Padres credit because while, while I'm sure a lot of it may never end up seeing the light of day, I mean, they are documenting all of this internally. Um, so they'll, they'll have the footage, they'll have it, you know, ready to go. They can turn it into whatever they want to turn it into. But I mean, everywhere, everywhere we go around here, there, there are, you know, real deal film, film crews uh, that, you know, work for the Padres. So they are, they are documenting all this. I think there's a really good understanding around here that, you know, what's happening uh, could be historic is special uh, and they want to make sure they have that footage you know what that turns into i don't know but i think they recognize the importance of hey let's get it all and then we'll kind of see where it goes obviously if the team wins the world series at the end of this year um, to be able to have this footage from spring training and throughout the entire season is going to be really valuable as you put together all of those postseason videos and everything like that so um, they are they are definitely thinking that way and and look i i was lucky enough when i worked for the dolphins the, the year hard knocks came you know, I got to be around it yeah. and that operation is remarkable. It really is. Um, and there's no question, you know, it, it's great entertainment. It's great television. Um, it, it drives some interest. F1 obviously is the great example. Um, I don't know that it always is going to accomplish necessarily though, like more people caring about the sport. You know I mean? Just because it's good TV doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate to that. Now in F1 it has because that's blown up. It, it feels like it's gone from zero to hundred in this country, at least. The last couple of years but you know like the, the golf one with everything else as you mentioned that's going on with golf i don't know that i'm like necessarily saying all right I, look the show is compelling don't get me wrong but i don't know if that means people are necessarily gonna be watching like friday and saturday at the honda classic now more than they would have been although you know may, maybe i'll be wrong and we'll see but i'm with you like I, I think more is always great you know in terms of access and in terms of getting to know these guys as human beings we're lucky enough to be on the inside and to get a, a good taste of that um, but, yeah, for fans to be able to see more of the human side to me is always a positive. You know, when I was a kid growing up in San Diego, I grew up right next to San Diego State, grew up going to the Murph. Ray Kroc owned the team, and he went for it. So that's when they brought in Goose Gossage, and they brought in Nettles, and they brought in, you know, Garvey was traded for, a young, a young Tony Gwynn, and Alan Wiggins was coming up, and they had a great year. They shocked the Cubs and then got drilled by the Tigers uh, in the World Series, but it was a great run. They spent a lot of money then. Now what's happening in San Diego, the money is so historic. It's really mind-blowing. Peter Seidler going all in. Just talk about what it's like to be around this to where the – I mean, we're talking about past 2024, it's well over a billion dollars has been committed by the Padres, more than any other team in Major League Baseball. Uh, it's been a wild ride, especially with the money. What has that been like being around this team and the financial commitment that you know that's coming? I mean, for one, it's fun. I mean, let's you know, let's start there. Um, for for two, this is what I've been telling people: the singular goal of this ownership and this organization is to win a World Series. Um, it, it's not the top priority; it is the priority. You know, what I mean, and and look, you're running a business. You you normally have multiple priorities, right? And I'm not saying they're putting everything else aside. You know, they still want to be impactful in the community. You know, they still care about yeah. lots of other stuff. But like really and truly, it's about winning a World Series. Um, and, and or at least I should say putting the team in a position to win the World Series. Because I think we all do know once you get into October, weird stuff can happen and all that. But, you know, to, to give them the best opportunity they could possibly have to win a World Series. I think of it as a fan, right, as a fan of a team. And what else could you ever ask for? You know, I mean, what else could you ever want, you know, to be in a position where all they care about is trying to be the team holding the trophy at the end of the season. That is why we watch these games. 
That is why we care about these games. I know in baseball, sometimes it can be easy to forget that because the season is so long and there is that beautiful constancy of MLB, right? And that every night throughout the summer when nothing else is happening, you know, in the world of sports and there's no new TV shows, you have baseball every night. And that's part of why we love this game. That's part of what makes this game so special. But sometimes you can forget, they, as Herm said, right? They play to win the games. I'm like, this is this is it for the Padres. This is like the full, full financial commitment to say, we're going to do everything we can because we want to win a World Series. No team in San Diego, as you know, has ever won a title, you know, in a major sport. And, and so to be the ones to do that. And I think that trickles down to the players as well. You heard Manny talking about it at his press conference when he got the contract extension. You know, like the, 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 the opportunity to do something here that has never been done, I think, really hits for these guys. Um, because you realize it takes you to like a whole nother level of legend. You know, I mean, you can go to this whole other level of like special in a town, in a community where you're going to be remembered forever. You will be immortalized. There will be a statue. They will retire your number, like those kinds of things that you cannot buy. And um, for, for those of us who are lucky enough to be here right now, to just sort of be even on the periphery of it, you know, as an announcer, it's incredibly special. It really is. Fernando Tatis Jr. coming back. Padres win the World Series. What what does he have to do offensively, and where does he play defensively to help this team get to where they want to go? Yeah, I think defensively, you know, certainly the start is going to be right field. Um, he's he's a freakish athlete, and that's that's an important thing to remember here. Now, is he going to look like a guy who's played the outfield his entire life? Probably not. Um, you know, certainly at first, but he's got a great arm, so he's going to have an opportunity to show that off in right field. And he's wildly athletic. You know, I heard somebody the other day on the outside say, you know, he's probably going to make a, you know, not make some plays that a normal outfielder will make at the beginning, but he's also going to make a bunch of plays that no one else could make. Um, and I think that's probably like the defensive scouting report on him, at least here in the early goings. But he is such a talent that at some point, you know, he's going to he's going to be great out there. He could go out and win a gold glove like that wouldn't surprise me. I think he's that kind of athlete and he's that kind of baseball player offensively. I mean, th th there's so much depth in this lineup. Like, I, I would hate to say, oh, he's got to hit 30 home runs for them to have a chance because I don't even know if that's necessarily the case. But he's capable of it. You know, he's not going to be eligible to return from the suspension until April 20th. Um, you know, if he does have a fully healthy season after that, he can do some special things. You go back to two years ago, he led the National League in home runs, I think, with 42. And he only played 130 games because of injuries that year. So that gives you a pretty good idea of what he's capable of. You know, the, the trades, Preller was just wheeling. He was like Jack McKeon back in the day, Trader Jack. I mean, he was wheeling and dealing. And, you know, here comes Hater. Oh, my God, that's incredible. And then it's the Juan Soto was wow. But I can tell you, all my buddies down there, they were not thrilled with the 236 average in 52 games and the whole uh, staring down pitchers and just walking a lot. And, bare, I mean, we were looking at the data. He wasn't swinging. He wasn't swinging at balls, which traditionally he doesn't do, right? That's why he walks so much. He wasn't swinging at strikes either. What are your expectations for Juan Soto now? Comfortable spring training, a year where he's now a Padre and he can just focus on this year. I know there will be the talk about the contracts, but now he can just focus on a season. What are the expectations? Yeah, I think you just hit on all the reasons why I expect him to be Juan Soto again this year. And and you're right, last year he was not at the level that he had sort of always uh, been at as a big leaguer. But if you dig into some of the more advanced numbers, he's still one of the best hitters in baseball last year, which is crazy because the average was down the way it was and the power was down a little bit as well. But he's just that good of an offensive player. I I 
fully expect. You ask my expectations, I fully expect him to look like the Juan Soto that we all, you know, sort of got used to seeing in Washington, even though he's only been in the big leagues for a few years, even though he's still 24 years old or whatever he is. He, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, when he got here, he had had a weird year in Washington. You know, he was kind of the lone guy in that lineup. Maybe you start trying to do too many things. Now some bad habits develop. Oh, now there's a mechanical thing that took place. That's hard to unspool inside of a season, right? You know, and I think now with a winter to work on all that stuff, in addition to everything you said about being comfortable here, not showing up and feeling that extra pressure of, hey, you know, this is a World Series contending team that just traded for me. I got to go out and do everything. And again, all he's got to do is look up and down this lineup. And it's going to be the same for all these guys. Like Manny's not going to feel any extra pressure. Xander Bogarts isn't going to feel any extra pressure. Fernando Tatis shouldn't feel any extra pressure. And, and Juan Soto shouldn't feel any extra pressure because there's such an absurd amount of talent at the top half of this lineup offensively that, you know, like two of them can be in a tough spot for a few days and this team will be just fine. You know, I, I talk about it all the time, that somebody has to be at the front of the plane, somebody has to be at the front of the bus, and somebody has to lead the circus, and that is your manager. And I did the Bob Melvin show for eight years. I know Bob Melvin well. I got him the mattress that he sleeps on every single night. I got him that sponsorship. Uh, so we love Bob. Just talk about what he meant coming in Somebody had to lead the troops. Somebody's got to be that guy. And he's been the perfect guy for the Padres. Perfect fit. Perfect fit. You know, I mean, sometimes things just really, really work out nicely. And, and look, obviously, you know, what took place there and and, and sort of the, the great migration, if you will, or the exodus, you know, of all those guys and, and kind of resetting the roster there. Um, you know, it, it for him was a nice time, I'm sure, you know, to be able to try and take on a new challenge. Um, and he's he's in awe here because, you know, this is unlike anything that he's ever been a part of. It's really unlike anything that any of us have seen um, in baseball. It's not very often that you're, you, you have the possibility of like three or four guys who are going to finish the top five in MVP voting all in the same clubhouse. But like that's not the craziest thought in the world when you consider, you know, those names we just talked about at the top of the lineup. And you want a steady hand. And, and most importantly, you know, I think you want somebody who has been there and done that as a player and as a manager before. It is a great fit. He is a great man. He is a great manager. He has the respect of all of those guys. He can go in and have that tough conversation if it's ever needed with one of them. And it will it will matter. It, you know, it will come off as something they can accept because he does have that uh, history in the game and because he does have that respect. So, um, you know, boy, did that work out really, really nicely. I love Mark Kotze, by the way, one of my favorite people in baseball. And for him, a great opportunity, you know, with a younger group uh, to teach and to and to do all that kind of stuff that he's so good at. Two different guys, you know, two different stages of their managerial careers, of course. And, um, no, I mean, we it, it feels very fortunate um, that this situation has kind of worked out the way it has here. This year is interesting because – as exciting as it was for the Padres at the end of the year and what happened in the playoffs, they were still far behind the Los Angeles Dodgers. Everybody has still been looking up at the Dodgers other than when the Giants won 107 and the Dodgers won 106. This has still been the Dodgers division, We and we don't know exactly what they're going to look like. They've got some definite changes going on. But my point is, as excited as everybody is, they still haven't slayed the dragon yet. I know they won a playoff series, and I and we just did the Diamondbacks yesterday. I'm kind of bullish on the Diamondbacks. We love Tori Lovello. I think they got a lot of speed and a lot of athleticism. I think they're going to be better than people think. Um, but just you know, just talk about that. The rivalry between the Padres and the Dodgers. The Padres still need to win a division. That to me more will be slaying the dragon than just one playoff series. 
I actually disagree, you know, and for a couple of reasons, you know, I think one, like last year really did feel like slaying the dragon because it sort of was like, all right, you went five and 14 against them in the regular year, but so what, you know, the Dodgers walked away, you know, with nothing while the Padres moved on to the national league championship series. Now you add to that, the fact that you get rid of two series this year with the new schedule. So all of a sudden, you know, it's not 19 games where it felt like everyone, you know, it's, it's just a different feel. Yeah. They matter that much less mathematically. Like the Dodger games matter less now than they did in the last 20 years. And then the next thing is, is on top of all of that, uh, the, the playoff format, you know, and, and this extra spot. And I know having the buy would be nice, you know, by winning the division. But again, I go back to what I said earlier about the, the goal is to win the world series. You know, whether you win the wild card or the National League West, I don't know that it matters. Um, you know, if you if you go on to win the World Series, which is what they care about, which is what they're trying to do, I don't think they're going to look back and be like, well, we didn't win the division. You know, so I, I really feel like it's it's a goal, don't get me wrong, and, and everybody would be thrilled if they won the division, and it would definitely be a big deal. There will be a pen and hung, you know, if they win the National League West in 2023. I don't want to, you know, discount that in any way. No. But, you know, if they win the division and go out of the NLCS – they would they would much prefer to be a wild card that, that goes to the World Series. So I, I think it in a weird way, it's almost bigger than the Dodgers now for the Padres. That was kind of the the, the dragon. That was kind of the thing that they were chasing, you know, these last few years. And now it, it, it again, in part because of the playoff format, in part because of the schedule and in part because of what happened in the postseason last year, to me, at least. And look, we'll see once the season gets going. But to me, at least it, it kind of feels like it's it's almost secondary now. Like, like, who would have thought we'd ever be sitting here having this type of conversation where all of a sudden we're giving the Dodgers a reason to have a chip on their shoulder? <laughs> Think about that. This is a team, they've been on like an Atlanta Braves type run, yeah. right? They've owned this division. Now, we're now like, they've but got. But you know what? Like, there's there's a history lesson there, right? Those Braves teams, they won one in 95. I mean, that's, that's and, and you know, if, if you went back and talked to Bobby Cox, right, or John Sherholtz, would you say, hey, would you trade a couple of those division titles for a couple more rings? Of course. You know, I mean, that's that's the whole point. And I mean, you, you go back, I, I say this all the time. You go back to the 80s, the Mets should have won more than one. You go to the 90s, the Braves should have won more than one. You go back to the 2000s, the Phillies should have won more than one. It just shows how hard it is to win a World Series and how impossible it, it seems to be to win a World Series. The Cubs of the last decade with that group, you know, like you, you would have thought they'd won more than one. You know, the Astros have now won a second. Obviously, that's a little bit more of a complex situation, but um, you know, it's it's really difficult. No team has won a back-to-back World Series since the Yankees won in 98, 99, and 2000. Um, the ring is the thing, and um, it's really hard to do. This is, again, to t- I'm not taking – I'm giving the Dodgers credit because the run that they have been on is historic. It is legendary. But as of now, they have the one. And, you know, I think, again, winning winning the division is nice. It matters less now than it's ever mattered uh, because of the extra playoff teams and 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 it's it's world. I don't want to say World Series or bust, but World Series is the goal here. It really is. Well, we just came up with the name for our Netflix series. The Ring is the thing. <laughs> we'll give you credit, Netflix. You starting next year, right. The Ring is the thing. All right, let's Can get I get a producer credit too. I'll take two percent of the merchandising, and you know, we're gonna give you some merch. Don't worry, we'll give it. We'll give you some points, as they like to say, and get a little cash for you. <laughs> let's end on this. Season's gonna get going. AJ Preller calls you into the office and says, how do I improve this team? What do we need to do to guarantee that we're in that World Series and win that World Series? How could they add from here? The first thing I would say to him is um, by, by not asking me. Like, let's start there. That, I'm the wrong person to ask. Uh, we're bringing you, know you in. We're bringing you in. It's all on you. Um, I, my answer is always pitching. It's always pitching. 
you know, almost, you know, aside from the makeup of the roster or the team, it's always pitching. You know, if you can go out and get like a solid mid-rotation guy, um, you know, that, that, that's having a good year or two, like that's it. For me, it's always pitching. I mean, I look back, you know, you can say this little run for the Padres began in 2020, right? And 2020 was weird, as we all know. Yeah. 2020, they go into the playoffs. They face the Dodgers in, in Texas in the division series after they beat the Cardinals here. And they basically ran out of pitching, you know, because of injuries. Um, and then in 2021, things fell apart for the team in August and September. They ran out of pitching. Uh, you know, last year in the postseason, they were probably one starter short of, you know, really being in, in what I would call an ideal position in a best of seven. You know, Mike Clevenger couldn't get out of the first inning of one of the games in Philadelphia. And it basically turned into a bullpen game. Um, that is that is almost always my answer, you know, and, and in part because they've kind of felt like they've run out of pitching the last couple of years. But if you look at every great team, you know, baseball's changed a ton in the last 150 years. But the reality is, you know, pitching is still the thing. Um, so for me, it's it's almost always add more pitching, add more pitching. Well, I got to tell you, you're doing a great job. And, you know, a long list from the Hall of Famer, Jerry Coleman, Ted Leitner, Teddy Ballgame, who we have on this show, who I grew up watching. We love to have people on from San Diego. And whether it's Bob Melvin or Ryan Christensen, rooting for everybody down there, a lot of former A's. Keep doing the great work that you're doing. We appreciate the time. And we'll see you during the season. And good luck to you guys. No, my pleasure. Thanks for all the nice words. Really do appreciate that. And always, uh, always fun chatting with you. And, yeah, I mean – we definitely have – we got good A's connections right now. Billy Bean, of course, is from San Diego. Yeah. You know, with Bob and Ryan here, Cots there. Um, it's um, it, it, it feels like a, like, a, like a big brother, little brother, or just uh, – or cousins or something. It's, it's really neat. It really is. And those Netflix checks, they're going to be in the mail. <laughs> Take care, buddy. Appreciate it. Yeah, let's get Tim in here and talk a little Dodger baseball as we're previewing the NL West. And this is going to be it for us in the NL West. Then we're going to move on to the Central. Tim, great to have you on again. How are you? Great. Thanks, Chris. Happy to be here. Well, I got to tell you, we did the Padres yesterday, and it was like, wow, the confidence. I mean, people forget Dodgers won 111 games. Dodgers have been to the playoffs 10 straight years. They've won the National League West nine out of those 10. They've won 104 games four out of the last five years. San Diego has basically a good two weeks, and they're acting like they've slayed the dragon. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The Dodgers are still the Dodgers last time I checked, right? They're still the Dodgers, and they still have 162 games to play. The one thing is, is that you're going to see fewer games against each other now because of the way the division is, right? So there's only going to be 13 games between the Dodgers and the Padres, not 19 like there were before, uh, thanks to the new schedule. But I, you know what? I think it's great in a way that uh, you know they've improved quite a bit. I think it's great that uh, they're going to be competitive. Uh, I think uh, the Dodgers went 14 and five against them in the regular season last year. And they just won a couple of games when it really counted at the end. And that was disappointing, certainly for the Dodgers to be gone in the division series. But as far as, uh, you know, the regular season, you know, they don't throw you a parade. If you win the regular season, you got to win the world series to get a parade. And that's what the Dodgers aim is every single year is to win a world series. How tough was it for the Dodgers when Gavin Lux went down, knowing what the expectations were for him in the middle of the infield there for Dodger Blue? Uh, really tough, really tough, because, you know, they're going to miss his bat this year. He's a good offensive player. He can run the bases really well. Uh, he was uh, coming into his own as a shortstop, and 
uh, started short for the Dodgers, right? I mean, what kid wouldn't want to do that growing up playing baseball? Hey, I'd love to be the starting shortstop for the Dodgers. Well, Gavin Lux was about to live his dream, yeah. and it's going to take him a, a little longer to recover now. He had surgery two days ago. Uh, everything came out of it okay, as far as we understand. But in the meantime, Miguel Rojas is going to be the guy that is going to take over the everyday duties at shortstop. Uh, so we'll get used to seeing Miguel Rojas there. Chris Taylor will back up. But I would suspect that the Dodgers would be on the hunt for somebody in the trade market, uh, free agent market, trade market, whatever market. Uh, they're constantly, like every other team, looking to get better. So just because this is the way it starts doesn't mean that's the way it's going to finish. You know, the thing about when you look at the Dodgers last year, their run differential was just so much better than anybody else. Uh, you, you know, I understand it didn't end the way they wanted to, but, but, you know, when you're Dave Roberts and you're going into the season, you still got to remember you got a lot of great players and he had a really good year. How much have they talked about that or any, or maybe even having like a new chip on their shoulder going into this year? Well, that's a good question, Chris, because they, they have a chip on their shoulder. If a, a team that just won 111 games can have one, they've got one. And they really have thought about things uh, to a man. Uh, they're using it as motivation for this year because not only do they have to get through the regular season, but they've got to get into the postseason and do well there. That's the name of the game. That's all that you know the folks care about here in L.A. is, is winning in the postseason. Um, so, again, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's a cliche. You've heard it a million times, but it doesn't – at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what happens in April, May, and June. It's, it's what happens in October. And so that's their goal. That's where they're trying to get to. And if the Padres are in the way, then so be it. But if the Padres have a great year, then they have a great year. It's going to be fun in Southern California either way. You know, Mookie Betts is truly one of the primetime guys that we have in our game. And when someone always plays on the East Coast and it's just, you know, the way the way it works, we're always in batting practice when they're, when they're playing at 4 o'clock. So you only get to see guys so much. Now that you've gotten to see him over the years, just talk about what an overall special talent he is. I've seen Mookie grow quite a bit. I was with him in Boston for three years. Uh, missed him in 2019 when he was still with Boston and I was with the Dodgers. And then uh, what ended up happening was uh, he comes over here and he's been he's been absolutely exceptional in terms of everything he's done on on the field, off the field. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing him play in the WBC. But I've watched him grow as a player and a person from a young player who used to look up to the veterans. And now he's that veteran that the young players look up to. And, and why not? He's a great example. He's a table setter. Uh, he's going to lead off. There's been some talk that they might move him down in the order to number two, maybe. But, I mean, the guy scores a ton of runs. Why would you want to move him out of that spot? He provides instant offense. He has only two hits this spring. Both of them are home runs, leadoff home runs. So, um, I, I, you know, watching him play, not only offensively, but defensively, I don't think there's a better player with uh, base running instincts, uh, better than Mookie Betts. Uh, plus, we're going to see him play a lot of second base this year. Uh, he, he's that's really? the position he came up as. I think he's going to come in and play second base quite a bit. I think you'll see him in the WBC playing second base also. So with Gavin Lux being out, that opens up a hole for an outfielder uh, because you've got an infielder and Chris Taylor moving in to play short. I think Mookie Betts is going to come in to play second, ease some of that pressure too. And if you need a bowling partner, he's your guy. Well, not, not if you're betting. <laughs> He'll take all your money. 
<laughs> you know, that, that, they're, they're, that's the thing that's interesting about L.A. this year is that there's just different. It's it's going to be different. Like Justin Turner, who was a great leader inside that clubhouse, is now gone. He's in Boston. J.D. Martinez comes in, going to be a full-time D.H. to where the Dodgers utilize the D.H. to get a lot of different guys rest and kind of have days off and just hit. I mean, they're still going to be really good, but just talk about how there's just going to be, as you, you've kind of alluded to, there's going to be a lot of different moving parts. Yeah, there always have been in the Dodger lineup. Uh, they used to be where, you know, Max Muncy could play either first, second, or third on any given night. Chris Taylor could play second, short, right field, or center field, left field. So you've got you've to be very versatile to be on this roster in most cases. Um, with J.D. Martinez being the D.H., I, was, I asked uh, one of the coaches the other day on one of the backfields, I said, did he even bring a glove here to Arizona? And they said, I think he did. I think he did. But he brought a lot of batting gloves. I know that. Yeah. So, you know, he's in the lineup today against the A's. Uh, looking forward to seeing him get that swing going again. And when you look at J.D. Martinez, and he was another guy I was with in Boston, you, you really appreciate when he starts hitting that gap double to right center. That He's got that opposite field power. And that's when you know he's going really well. Uh, he does have, you know, gap to gap power. He can hit it out of the ballpark. Uh, but also he's a good doubles guy. And and that's really what the Dodgers are looking for is just to have him drive in some runs. Well, the Dodgers uh, obviously are one of the model franchises when you look at doing it with your farm system and having that talent. Is this a, is this a year where they're going to need some of that talent to come up and produce at the big league level? I think so. You know, you'll see some today. Ryan Pepio. Uh, will pitch today. Uh, Michael Grove pitched last night. We've got Andre Jackson waiting in the wings. He, he came up, made his major league debut last year. So they've got some depth in the pitching department. In the field, a uh, player named Michael Bush is getting closer to making an impact. A uh, highly touted prospect can really swing. And somebody who's on the travel roster today, and we'll get to see him a lot, I think, in the next week or so at least, is Diego Cartaya, who is certainly not a finished product by any means. He's still a very young kid, but He's the Dodgers' number one prospect at catcher. And uh, today we'll probably see him swing the bat a little bit. Uh, Miguel Vargas, another homegrown guy, he'll be back in the lineup today at second base. And the Dodgers are going to let him swing the bat today. He's had a hairline fracture in his right pinky finger. He's been playing defense in uh, Cactus League games, but they sent him to the plate to not swing. He just went up there to track pitches, and he walked four times. <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. And the opposition knew he wasn't swinging. Yeah. So... <laughs> That's baseball, but he he's going to swing the bat. He's going to bat second today, and I wouldn't be surprised if he swung at the first pitch today. He's been dying to let go. <laughs> that is unbelievable. I saw that on Twitter. I, I could not believe that. That is actually uh, really sad. Walker Bueller is truly one of the special talents. It's unfortunate, a second Tommy John surgery. I mean, obviously, you're not going to want to rush him whatsoever. Is there any talk that he you could maybe see him at the end of the season, or is this like – Take the year, get as healthy as possible, and we'll see you in 2024. Uh, I think we're going to see him this year. I do. Uh, he's been in uniform at Cactus at, at uh, Camelback Ranch. He's throwing again already. Wow. Uh, not pitching, but playing catch at 60 feet. He's done that, I think, three times right now. I, I talked to him the other day, and uh, he said he was feeling great. I don't think he's going to rush things. I don't think the team will rush him at all, but – I wouldn't be surprised to see him by September, you know, August, maybe, maybe, but probably September. I wouldn't be surprised if he's back and ready to go. 
And then you look at Clayton Kershaw. Great to see him back. And it's just so important in our game to really still have some guys stay with the whole organization their whole career. And, you know, he is the modern Dodger that you think about Dodger baseball. You think Clayton Kershaw. Just how important it is to have him still around when we have so much player movement? There's stability there. And the young players see him and they see a future Hall of Famer. And they go, I want to be around that guy. I want some of that to rub off on me. And and so he's following around. Like yesterday, he pitched a bullpen over at the complex, and he draws a crowd, right? I mean, I was in the crowd, and a lot of people were in the crowd watching him throw a bullpen. He hasn't thrown in a Cactus League game yet, but I think that's going to change uh, maybe as soon as tomorrow uh, against the Angels. I think he could go tomorrow, uh, maybe Saturday against the Cubs, but I'm, I'm thinking tomorrow. Um but just to watch him, the way he goes about his work, his work ethic, the young players really learn from him. They like being around him. I mean, heck, the older players like being around him because yeah. I mean, this guy's done it all, and uh, all you can do is learn from him. Let's end on this. Your son, Matt, does play-by-play for the Las Vegas Aviators for us. Just how proud are you of him and just exciting times to be at that level? I, I, I couldn't be more proud. I mean, you know, today he's doing four college basketball games in the Big West tournament uh, for ESPN, and then he'll he'll get back doing baseball here soon. Uh, but he's thrilled. I'm thrilled for him. Uh, you know, I just saw Johnny Dosco. I've known Johnny since I was working in Vegas. That's how old Johnny is. I know he's coming up. <laughs> um, but, but Johnny got to know him, and the uh, first thing Ken Korak said to me today was, hey, I saw your son at Big League Weekend, you know. Those are the kind of little things that make me feel really good about what Matt's doing. And and I know that, you know, when he's been on in the past to talk about the aviators, he loves doing that. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just the growth in the business. It's not an easy business, as we all know. But he's at a good level right now, and uh, I'm really proud of him. He's, I think he's getting ready to do some good things. Well, we always appreciate your time. Thanks for stopping by. Good luck with Dodger Blue this year. We'll be checking in with you later during the season. And have a great call today. Yeah, anytime. I'm happy to do it. Thanks, Tim. We'd like to thank Johnny Gomes, Marty Lurie, Ryan Spielborgs, Jesse Agler, and Tim Nevert for all stopping by A's Cast Live as we're previewing all of baseball, going to all the camps. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.